This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my friend Jacob Eugene Horn, and he talks to me about his love of farming. Because we live in Chicago, and because that's where the passions for his interest in farming lie now, at his at this point in his life, and trying to kind of combine farming and city living, that's uh, ends up being what the main focus of what we talk about is. This isn't about you know. Um, uh, hoeing fields and sowing seeds. It's, it's more about uh, how to integrate farming into Chicago and how zoning affects that and how residential areas affect that and how uh, government spending affects that. So we definitely go all over the place, but I think all of it comes back to his passion for the base topic. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Jacob is such a passionate, interesting um intelligent person and i i couldn't have been more uh interested in the things that he had to share with me i happen to think that if you like this you'll absolutely love the show that he's running at the annoyance right now it's called mr horn's fucked up neighborhood and his own description of the show is that it's as if mr rogers created a show but for adults so anything that you probably didn't find out about as kids but would still like to learn about as an angry aware adult um maybe covered in the show i was a guest recently and we covered that a little bit in the the um podcast interview itself um but this coming up week he has his closing night and that is with uh ollie hobson will be doing some music blair Britt will be doing some bits but his guest uh from the planetarium and someone who is associated with ted talks she's a senior fellow at ted is lucianne walkowitz and i'm sure she will bring some really interesting insight to the interview that he leads much like jacob brought a lot of interesting insight to this um otherwise some other shows you can check out at the annoyance in the uh this week before we kind of go dark for the holidays this Thursday, we'll have the last preview for Ask Your Doctor, a pharmaceutical musical that I am a part of. And th- at, that's at 8 o'clock and at 9.30 on Thursday, uh, just as you can every other week, except for, you know, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. But, like, why would you want to see a show on one of those nights? Uh, you can come see the Fishbowl, and I will never stop singing the praises of that group and those people. And uh, if you're a student, it's of special interest because you can come and put your improv student ID into our bowl and get a chance to play with some annoyance teachers and performers. And then my team, Sight Unseen, will close out the night. Continued thank yous to the Chicago Podcast Co-op for providing uh, sponsorship, for uh, coordinating those sponsorships, providing a community for all of us Chicago podcasts, or at least a portion of great Chicago podcasts to be a part of. I think if you like this, you will like a show called Your Chicago, twice a month's 
Twice a month, hosts Stefania and Arden chat with the folks who make Chicago's legendary food, keep our streets safe, star in our shows, organize our festivals, play our unique music, and more. I think if you're interested in the kinds of things that Jacob talks about where Chicago is concerned and uh, kind of seeing behind the curtain of a lot of these, like, processes and, and programs and, and planning, I think that that uh, is something that would trip your trigger as well. I don't think I have anything else to plug or discuss. If you like this show or any other show that you listen to in the Chicago Podcast Co-op, I encourage you to rate it on iTunes, leave a review. It helps other people discover the show if they so choose. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy my conversation with Jacob Eugene Horn. (laughs) What's your loosely sound engineering? I know you well, do tech type stuff for decent amount. Right, yeah. So like I got into that just by being in punk bands and doing <laughs> that makes like, perfect sense. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you got you play places that don't have speakers. So they're just like <laughs> bring it's like, you know how there's like you know, it's like bring your own beer, it's like bring your own PA system. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a Borg Ward uh was one in Milwaukee where uh, just like it was bring your own microphones because it was in just like it was like a a person's house and it wasn't but it wasn't a house it was just like a person made their own art gallery okay it's like an art space i'm trying to think like a like a shithole type thing yeah oh yeah definitely <laughs> but very much like permanent installation and like very uh i think like this it's not like secretive i think like the city was like okay you guys are fine you guys will be okay if you don't drink outdoors and it's milwaukee so no one cares right 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 yeah, yeah that's, that's true it's funny it's weird because like seemingly Milwaukee doesn't care, but like if it's pet, don't they have a law that if it's past nine, you can't buy alcohol in non bars in Wisconsin? Like, there's a lot of that in Wisconsin. In fact, I there it's only been recently that uh, gas stations will start will keep selling alcohol until midnight, right? Right around me, but yeah, it was definitely like a Man. nine o'clock cutoff. Man, the, see, that's stricter. I thought the South's blue laws were pretty, like, harsh, but that's I, way stricter. And I don't know if that was, like, a religious thing or not. I think, oh, really? Yeah, you think I, it's just more of, like, a um, a temperance thing? I think, yeah, because it's just like, oh, we're all going to get crazy anyway. Let's try to stop things a little bit. It's like, it was, wow. it's Wisconsin. It's like, we know we're all going to be... Totally blessed. Total, yeah. <laughs> I know. I just feel, I went to a wedding up there in October, and uh, we didn't even think about it, you know? Like, we are just going to... It was in a hotel, so oh, nice. at some point in the night, um, we... 9.05. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I want to say 10.30, maybe mm-hmm. later than that, maybe 11-ish. A bunch of us, like, who had all come together, were just going to, like, go up to one somebody's hotel room and just, like, have some beers and a bottle yeah. of wine and just, like, hang out as opposed Aww. to, like, being around everybody else. And we did not bring anything with us, and we did not anticipate how literally impossible it would be to oh, make yeah. that happen. <laughs> I, yeah, when I first moved down here to Chicago, I remember it was, like... Uh, I remember like Jules twenty four seven or whatever, mm-hmm. and I would I remember it being almost ten o'clock, and I was like, shit, shit, we have to go I need to get beer, yeah. and I'm running, <laughs> and it's like I get there like right at ten, and I look as if like as if they've got like a cage to put over <laughs> right. the liquor because it's in like a regular aisle. They're not gonna yeah. they got like a metal grating. Dude, you'd be surprised. I've seen where grocery stores will put out like those you know cues, the things <laughs> they put in cues. Isn't that insane? I've seen those, and like I know when I was in college um ours ours 
because it was a religious thing, they stopped, mm-hmm. like, even Walmart stopped selling liquor at midnight on Saturday night because oh, it was, it was technically Sunday, Sunday. Oh, there was, see, that's why I don't think it was a religious thing because Sunday, it's like, It was whatever. just all the time. Sunday is Packer Day. So oh, that's why. see, but yeah. so, like, if we got, if we did, like, a play or an improv show or something like that on a, on a Saturday night, um and wanted to do like an after party or cast party or whatever um like if the show was out at like 11 30 or something like that we'd be like we come to charlie let's execute <laughs> like it was like because <laughs> no one would ever buy in advance and someone Jesus. would have to just like get into a car right then yeah. to try to like race oh, to the walmart God. and buy liquor before it closed and there were times where we just like didn't make it and they would not let us check it out like their their checkout system oh. literally would not check out alcohol. Oh my god! There were times where it was like twelve oh two, and we we're like, "You have got no. to be fucking kidding me!" Oh, <laughs> doing the Lord's work, Mary Beth. Doing the Lord's work. I guess so. <laughs> well, my uh, my guest today, who's been so great to lament uh, not being able to buy alcohol as I drink this beer, as we as we share some beers. Um, my guest today is Jacob Eugene Horn. Mm-hmm. I love using as much of his name as I can when <laughs> introducing and referring to him. Have I ever told you why that was? Why is oh, that? Oh, because Facebook tricked me uh, back in <laughs> back in 06, like right when it started. Well, not, yeah. maybe not when it started, but like when I was familiar with it. Good uh-huh. Lord, almost 10 years now. Yeah, uh, that's I signed up, I think, in like 05 or 06. Yeah. It's oof, oof. It's an institution now. <laughs> but I, you know, I remember filling it out, and I remember because like it was like any other like online form or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's parts that they would show and parts that they wouldn't. Like <laughs> right. they're not going to show you your address or something when yeah. you fill it out. So I feel it's what's your first name, Jacob? Okay, what's your middle name, Eugene? Because of course they're going to just like not show that. So why would you put your middle name? And then last name Horn, and it just like kept spat it all out. Spat it all your out. Your full name on there. Full name. <laughs> and you never, you never tried to change oh, that. Oh no, I'm too lazy. You just embraced it. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't figure out. I think my, I think my phone number is still on there. Oh yeah. And, and but like my home phone, so like some poor set <laughs> no. calling my parents or something. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how to change it. No, yeah. there's that can't be too hard in the settings. I, it has to be. <laughs> I just, I think I'm just. Well, I, I am just lazy. That's certainly part of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's become like, I feel like it's become part of like the cult of Jacob Horn the is co- the full the cult full of name. <laughs> there, please, no, there's no. Oh God. I don't know, man. I once had I, a, <laughs> I, I once had a room full of people, a room full of strangers, chant my name. Why? Uh, because uh, there, my buddies were cult. in. Yep, it is. It is. Uh, my buddies were in a, in a group, Triple uh, A. This was uh, Adam Levin. Triple A battery. Triple A battery. Uh, Adam, this was years ago. Oh God, this is such a. This is. Oh, I hate myself for telling you. I want you to. Adam Levin. I called it out of you. I know. Adam Levin, Alex Nichols, and Andrew Garman mm. were, uh, just did this thing, and I would show up all the time because I was just like. I just moved to Chicago. Make I don't know people. I want to yeah, make yeah. friends. I, I know that game. Yeah. And then uh, I would That shit up. leads to so Like, that's essentially how my relationship with the Nerdlog started, is I was, like, relatively new to the city yeah. and had an annoyance class with one of the members and just, like, started going to their shows all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. I guess that's kind of what happened with this, where I'm just like, I do shit with Garmin all the time. Yeah. Like with Nichols. And Adam's directed I was going to say, Adam directed <laughs> your show. Yeah. I mean, like, you scoff at it, but that's really, like, how you find... I think that's the best way to find people that you, like, and think are funny and want to work with and be friends with in the city is to just like show up and like yeah. hang out and see what the deal yeah. is. 
So they so I go to their shows, and one time they come out, and they were doing this for a couple of times. They would just like clap and chant my name, <laughs> clap and chant my name, Jacob Eugene Horn, Jacob Eugene Horn. Of course they did. And then just like the everyone crowd in the room, it. and I'm just like huddled in my little like old bug house, and, and I was the just one like, with the views. The views. So I'm just like crouched in I my little. I think that's like the only time I ever saw. Other performed too, was or one the, not oh maybe not the God. only time, but the first time for sure. Do you remember that name? Do you remember that name? Was it that, that time? I don't know if it was the same show because I feel like I don't remember that, but it could have been. It's now my, my name is now whispered in like bar prob everywhere. <laughs> it's gonna be the most popular warm up for every <laughs> Indian prop oh team God. that was at the Bug House for that you show. Just chant and yep. say a name. <laughs> there was. Oh, oh man. Okay. But you're going to be talking to me about um, not your name or improv I'm a, I'm a good Lord or Lord. anything like that that we, we're going to steer clear of. Uh, you're going to be talking to me about farming. I, yeah, but like I kind of want to hop because like we were talking. I kind of want to because like I was joking with you, just like oh, we could also talk about city planning. Because, yeah, because man, because uh, I was asking about this. We were talking about uh, what the this former facility. Yes, the mm-hmm. the cards uh, office space mm-hmm. is in a fascinating area, mm-hmm. uh, the Elston Corridor. I don't know if people know, and there I guess like when I refer to it as the Elston Corridor, I don't think people know what I mean. There's no there's no bus. That goes up and down Elston. There's a lot of bus. Like, there's a Milwaukee bus. Mm-hmm. There's buses that go north. Ashton. A- Ashton. Yep, yep, yep. The Ashton Kutcher bus. Ashton. Uh, Ashland. Ashland. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's all right. Um, but there's uh, there's very... There's I think I was conflating Ashton and Elston. Oh, God. No. <laughs> I'm going to die cut. here. Let's cut. Well, <laughs> we're going to go home. Take it easy. I was conflating Ashland and Elston. Yeah. Into Ashton. And Ashton. I don't play. I would do. I do that all of the this time. This is the Ashton corridor. This is the Ashton corridor. Uh, but you're right. There's not like an Elston bus. Right. Because when Ooh. Elston. Well, because well, like Elston uh, is strictly industrial zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot. So when zoning is like how a city wants to develop. So. In a lot of places that people live, you either live in a residential zoned area or a mixed use area. I forget. Uh, I've been to. You are definitely in like a residential area. Like all the side yeah. streets. Burping. Uh, all of the side streets are residential areas. Yeah. Anything like a Cortez or like a, you know, flipping like Wellington. Mm-hmm. Those are all those. There was all in uh, residential, mm-hmm. and that happened. That didn't happen. That wasn't like a, that wasn't like a Burnham sort of thing, like back at the turn of the century. Oh, really? it was like it wasn't like a, we're going to decide it now. This was like a few decades ago where they're just like, guys, things are getting crazy mixed up. We, we need to have more concentrated areas yes. of these things. That's interesting. And because that's I think that's what makes Chicago really livable is that all those things aren't all like conflated together. Oh yeah, but that's uh that's a different zone. There's a thing called uh mixed use. Mm-hmm. So any like I, I work in a mixed use building. Oh yeah, of course I'm I there's like so many people probably live in mixed mm-hmm. use. Like anything that's above a major corridor of like right. Ashland, if you got like a storefront on the bottom and you got apartments on top, that's yep. mixed use. That's, that's exactly what it is. Things. Mm-hmm. And so a fascinating thing with the decades old sort of thing is uh, there was still businesses that were in those areas. There was going to be like, there's like the best examples are like corner bars that are on like, oh, in like sure. residential areas. If you go into like Ukrainian villages, there's this place called Happy Village, which <laughs> is just like a bar in the middle of the houses. Uh-huh. Uh, and they legally 
don't have to, they don't have they can still exist but if they were to ever to close down even for a day if they were like not like not not like oh not we're like closed holidays, holiday, yeah, yeah. Not, we're closed for this but if they were to ever like shut down operations uh there's like a time span that the city says now your business license is revoked Whoa. this now has to be a residential area but that's they've only because they've been grandfathered in because Happy Village has been around for a hundred years. So interesting. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, this this building used to be is, industrial. Oh, and yep. So this is probably now zoned light industrial. Uh interesting. Yeah, because the Elston corridor uh is, light industrial. Yeah. Light industrial. Oh, there's oh, there is heavy industrial still going on. Like you were talking about. Uh you said like the you, you yeah, were, I'm sure that you could talk to like to Max or some of the other people who were very like, uh, you know, very major in the securing of this office space and everything, right, right, right. and they would know everything that went into that like process. Right. I yeah yeah because like but but you were saying you were saying, uh, we're, boy we're gonna address like two different things. I get too That's excited right. about these nerdy. Little, That's okay. Um, I love it. That's like part of the show. <laughs> that that this you, you was probably a pickling. Yeah. Uh, is pickling, and then you said the room that we're in right now <laughs> yeah. used to store combustibles. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so it still has a blast yeah, door on a blast it. Door. Uh, so the so the, the pickling that's uh, that and is it a, makes for an excellent podcast studio. Wonderful. <laughs> it's a little, there's small little nooks and crannies and, uh, too. Soundproofed and uh, yeah, it's wonderful. I love this little. I don't know what that is. That's I don't know that is. I'm glad that everyone can see. A, but a, maybe a it. tiny door from NT. Maybe if someone like got trapped in here, that's like an emergency exit. I don't know. Yeah, but you're, but you're like you're crawling through the walls like an episode of Bob's Burgers. <laughs> yeah. That was like episode two. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was like it was The Shining, basically. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, pickling. Pickling is light industrial because it's processing. It's not a oh. creation. It's not like a, you're not like a metal. You're not like a uh, you know, like you're a steel making a car. Right. You're not. Yeah, that would be heavy industrial. But light industrial is like processing warehouses. Uh, there, one of these buildings around here used to be a leather, uh, like a tannery. Oh, it still is. Oh yeah, it smells oh, like shit. One. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. It's garbage. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so Elston, the Elston corridor is predominantly light industrial, and that's because they're slowly trying to fade it. Uh, a lot of this area is, I guarantee, in the next fifty years, is going to become residential. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, oh yeah, I know uh, because you have it's fun. like Mariano's up there oh, and yep. everything. Yeah, I see, but that's west of the uh, oh, that's west Ashland. of the highway. Oh. Yep. Uh, so like. In city planning, highways are major breakpoints of, like, one side of a highway is going to look one way. The other side of a highway is going to look the other way. Sometimes it's, like, it's going to be more economic well-off. The other side, it's going to be less economically well-off. Uh, in this case, it's residential uh, dividing uh, – the highway divides residential and industrial. Mm-hmm. And with the Elston Corridor, uh, it's right along the riverfront, which – uh, as all city planners know, uh, riverfronts are like a huge thing for transportation mm-hmm. back in like the turn of the century, mm-hmm. uh, the previous century. We're in the 2000s now. Um, <laughs> this is just, I love that instead of like instead of a passion conversation has now become a lecture. On, no, I love it. On this. But so when uh, one of my absolute favorite people in the world who's been dead for decades, uh, <laughs> Burnham, he was a city planner around the turn of the century. Uh, the it city- does not surprise me that <laughs> you're like fascinated and enamored with that guy. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me at all. He's my goddamn hero. Of he, course he is. Uh, the World's Fair, when it was hosted in Chicago, the city of Chicago came to Burnham. Hello, 26-year-old Burnham. 
we want to make the city of Chicago incredible. Make a plan for it. And he came up with a whole bunch of things that, like, still permeate today, such as the grid system and one of my absolute favorite things, which is uh, lakefront development. If you go any, like, a lot of places, like, especially, let's say, coastline, like, east and west coast, you can buy beachfront property, and you are the only one who has access to that beach. Mm -hmm. Like, you could be walking along the beach, and all of a sudden, a man can come out and be like, you're on my property. Right. Uh, In the city of Chicago, the city limits from the very north, tippy-top, near Evanston, down through South Shore, uh, is all public access Mm -hmm. to everyone from Chicago because of Burnham. Burnham set aside uh, the idea of Lakeshore Drive. Not necessarily Lakeshore Drive, but the idea... Hmm. That it would cut off development uh, west of Between, it. Between, oh, I was going to ask. Oh, yeah, from like development. All development is west of the lake, and then there's always a strip that no one owns besides the city. So, That's really cool. Oh, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. That's really cool. And so... Gr- I knew that it couldn't be privately owned, but I didn't know it was Vernum. Oh, and, yeah. And that it was like, uh, you know, Lakeshore related. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, this is a public amenity for everyone. Everyone should be able to enjoy this. So then we turn inward into the city. If I can't have a lake, if I can't have my house on a lake to look, why don't I have the river? Uh, The big (laughs) problem being that the river was a pile of shit. I don't know if people know this. Uh, There is this uh, disgusting area in Canaryville, which is a subset of back of the yards. It's kind of like how Ukrainian Village isn't really a thing. It's sort of just like, I guess that's South Wicker Park. Right, right. But Canaryville is like a subset of, it's not technically one of the official neighborhoods, but it it exists. It has its own sort of identity. There's a thing called Bubbly Creek. And (laughs) Bubbly Creek is bubbling uh, because of the absurd amount of methane coming from the river. Oh, my God. Uh, the man-made rivers, these the north-flowing, the ones that we reversed, the ones that we said, fuck you, God. Right. Take your rivers and put them elsewhere. Right, right. Uh, and so uh, back of the yards was the fucking stockyard, well, like the huge uh, stockyard area, and not like the official Chicago stockyard, but like still like a lot of meat packaging and shit. Mm-hmm. And so people just like threw everything in there, all... Uh, biodegradable things. Boy, we're going to get into that. With <laughs> uh, biodegradable things of like meat processes, that things that they didn't need anymore, blood and bones and like Jesus. all the stuff. And the methane, because it would just uh, dissolve and like rot in the river, the methane that was produced would just bubble up. Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah. Never. Yeah. And so. Bubbly Creek. Bubbly Creek. Bubbly Creek. And because so- it was just like literally a festering, festering puddle. River of garbage. <laughs> In in a terrible, awful sense, and that so is the most disgusting thing that ever. that might be like the most disgusting thing we did. Oh, you're right, now and down, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so like all of Chicago's, a lot of the Chicago's rivers, um, are awful because we just like literally shit in them, right? We're like, well, we don't want the rivers to flow into our drinking source because right. we poop in these rivers, right? So let's have them flow the other way. That's why we made them go away. We turned them. We turned them. Which is, oh my god, it's another fascinating thing mm-hmm. um recently i've been talking about northerly island a lot but i can get to that one. <laughs> um uh but so like now the riverfronts used to be garbage there there have been an, an incredible amount of cleanup efforts and they have been working uh and what that means is now developers want to buy up riverfront property oh. elston is very is a uh, runs along a river 
And so a lot of it is zoned industrial. You can't live in zoned industrial. You have to request a variance. You have to request that the zoning code is changed so that you can live there. And so a lot of people uh, are demanding to live along the Elston corridor. A lot of developers are like, we want to tear down these old warehouses. We want to build up houses. Wow. And there is a a historical corridor along the Elston corridor that there, there is a statute that is like, no, these have to be industrial for some time because we are Chicago. We uh, respect our industry. Part of it is industry. Yep. Yeah. But they, they made a concession. They said, we're going to do light industrial. We're not going to do oh, manufacturing. All these things. But to make it a little more like swallowable for. Yes. But now people can, you can, you can't build homes right next to. Heavy, heavy industrial. industrial. Light industrial acts as that buffer. So people That's are starting funny. to build up homes right along. That doesn't surprise industrial. me. That's really funny. Oh, yeah. So eventually, like, it's going to be that that demand is going to overtake it too much that all along the rivers are going to become, I guarantee, are going to become just housing. Like lakefront type yeah, property. But, but along the river. That's really funny. It makes sense because mm. of the, the appeal of, of the of that being kind of null where the lakefront is concerned. I mean, you have some of the, like, high-rises, but... Yeah, but people, boy, people want to be right there. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, uh, what's the origin of your love for farming, and how does, like, city planning kind of wrap into that? Well, the origin of that is uh, definitely... Uh, in Wisconsin, I was not. I was not raised on a farm. I was raised surrounded by a farm. Oh, really? Um, so in in I <laughs> I lived in the town of Harrison, which, along with the town of Buchanan, made up the imaginary province known as Darboy. Darboy did not exist on a legal level. There's no municipality of Darboy. There's only a water tower that says <laughs> Darboy. It's just like a common, once again, like a not official neighborhood sort of thing. Okay. Both well, of these. Towns. What is it like close to in terms of something that is official? Or do you get in there? <laughs> Both of these towns are so small that they don't have a school. There's no official school. So I went to a Kimberly High School, which was a nearby town. Kimberly was so small it didn't have a post office. <laughs> and so my mailing address is Appleton, although uh-huh. I technically don't live uh, in Appleton. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's starting to annex. Parts really? Of the town, yeah. Uh, parts of parts of the Darboy? town of Harrison. Oh, oh Darboy! <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, Darboy. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I I live. There's a, like a little. There's a little strip, a little gap. Uh, there's a large lake in Wisconsin called Lake Winnebago, mm-hmm. uh, and I live north of Lake Winnebago. And so a little bit further north of me is a lot of residential area and. Obviously, further south of me, right along the lakefront, are a lot of lakefront houses. Mm-hmm. In between is a significant amount of farmland. And so now a lot of this farmland is starting to be carved out to be subdivisions. Sure. But as of right now, they are starting to mark out uh, the corn fields behind me for road access and really? water and for plumbing and electricity. Uh, my house still uses septic tanks because on the north side of my street – they get access to city water. They get access to <laughs> Appleton water. On my side of the street, we have a well uh, and septic tanks that freeze over sometimes. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
That's so funny. So I grew up surrounded by farmland. Sure. And uh, I had neighbors who were farmers. I was like kind of, I guess in that analogy, more on the like north side of the street oh, like no. yeah i was like kind of like just some of my friends like lived where they only had well water and like i but i lived in like a subdivision where we like just barely had city water oh, like yeah. it was that i was kind of more i was probably like closer to that uh uh kimberly high school <laughs> you know what i mean uh yeah. but but i had friends and like um, new areas of South Carolina that were a lot like what you're describing. Oh yeah, with my egg water, <laughs> <and sulfur. laughs> yeah, uh, smells when you get it out of the tap. <laughs> um, but yeah, so surrounded by farmland, uh, it would I would help you know like bale hay and like my wow. neighbors' sheep would get loose and they would run into our yard and that's so funny. But you guys never like had I never farmers. My father was a uh, sheet metal journeyman. That was a uh, that's a union job. His, his slang term is ten. Okay. Uh, he installed industrial-sized air conditioning, basically. So wow. if you look, if you look, uh, ductwork. So sure. You, yeah. Right. Uh, and so my mother was a visiting nurse, uh, and so we. The only farming history is that my grandmother lived on a farm. Uh, and this is, boy, back in World War II, uh, <laughs> POWs from Germany worked on her farm then. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Oh yeah, it was bizarre. That is crazy. Yep. Uh, so that happened. What? Um, in Wisconsin as well? In Wisconsin. It was in Appleton. Everyone, we're all my family's very homebody. How'd they even get that far in there? I, uh, <laughs> no trains. There was, it was the 40s. There's transport. It's not as if, what? They get to New York and be like, I just imagine. do we have infrastructure? <laughs> I just imagine that's a that's a reminds me of a disease. I'm sorry, joke for Mr. Salmon, where he's like, yeah, there the United States when my uh, I don't think it was his parent, his dad, but it was like one of his dad's friends maybe uh, put instituted this program where like it, they made it easier to get your green card if you're already a doctor before you came into the country, um, but they uh, they. <laughs> Would only send you to like places that really needed more. Oh man! So he got sent to Alabama. Oh no! <laughs> and the way that the joke is, uh, yeah, we're g- we g- we're gonna let you be an American, but we're gonna send you to Alabama. That'd be like a pretty lady saying, "Yeah, you could see me see me naked, but only my left elbow, and my left elbow is racist." <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, we're going to bring you to the U.S. as a prisoner of war and force you to go all the way into the frozen Wisconsin tundra. But it wasn't like they weren't, like, breaking rocks. Like, it wasn't like they were, like, it was like, man, they're going to be the worst POW experience. You're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, I was just just unpacking. Yeah. Oh, good lord. (laughs) Uh, so my, so we had a lot of gardening land though. Okay. We gardened quite a bit and I was always, for some reason I was very miserable with it. Well, not for some reason. It was always like, Jake, we need to weed the garden. And you're Uh, like, God damn it. I I just want to. I just want to play video games. That's and, exactly uh, Dizzy Dinosaur or whatever that boy was. <laughs> Dizzy Dinosaur. Dizzy Dinosaur. You, you wind it up and it's then it like spins it. around and then it like shoots at one of your cavemen as you're trying to like go around and get like a I pterodactyl feel like egg. I very vaguely remember this. It's, it is. There's n- nothing to get. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're a caveman. You got to get pterodactyl Remember legs. Remember Elephant as an elephant? Oh, my God. Great. I think I only Butterfly. Ever, yeah, I only ever played that once. My cousin had it. She oh, got it, it for Christmas always, one year. It was always a cousin. It was always, always no one ever, no one ever a owned cousin. It. No yeah. one ever owned it. Someone else. I had... Um, I had um, Goofy Golf Machine. Goofy Do you remember golf. that? I only know, I know Gator game. Golf. I didn't have Gator, Gator golf. golf. Give, Give it a whack, Gator Golf. golf. <laughs> he throws it right back, Gator Golf. Nothing is greater than playing a game of golf with a gator. gator. I don't know the periodic <laughs> table of elements. I know that. I don't I know, I know hydrogen, hydrogen helium. <laughs> I don't know what the third one is. Lithium. Lithium. Boron. Boron. <laughs> noble gas. No. Oh, good. No, that wasn't in the noble gases. The five would have been in the noble gases, right? Uh, I believe you're right, which I believe is argon. Argon. Six is carbon. Mm-hmm. Seven. Nitrogen. Is nitrogen. Oxygen is eight. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the rest of the podcast? Let's <laughs> go over it. Nine is... Oh, well, we, we got pretty far. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I I just, to, like, that's a sh- that was a like shitty that. thing. You could have been like. No, no. Could, like, I mentioned it under my breath earlier. I mentioned it under my breath earlier. Yeah, I so, mean, what is it? I don't remember. Whatever. It's not worth it. It doesn't matter. So I spent a lot of time gardening and, and being miserable. And honestly, like, that was a big thing that reconnected me with my dad. It's mm. like, we don't, you know, like. We're, I, I think there's a, we have a lot, we have a lot, we have a, <laughs> only as I grow older do I realize how similar me and my dad Really? Are. Oh, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Do we you have, think more so than, because you have two brothers, right? Yes. Two, and you're the youngest? I'm you're the youngest the, brother, and then I have a younger sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you think that you're, you're more like your dad than your older brothers are? In some ways, we all have like different. We have different. That's kind of fun to yeah. have like a, a broader range of things that you can relate on. I know. I know. I have my dad's sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> my mom just texted me a couple of days ago. Uh, there's this new uh, television network. So with with digital TV now. Uh, <laughs> With digital TV, we have access <laughs> to all these channels. Uh, so in Wisconsin, you have the basic of like ABC, Fox, CBS, NBC, and then you get like WB fourteen, uh, UPN thirty two, and mm-hmm. PBS. And so now with these new digital ones, there's like four different PBSs. There's oh, an incredible yeah, amount of PBSs, right? And then there's a thing called MeTV, mm-hmm. which is like old shows. This is basically TV land, but network television. You mm-hmm. get to watch Andy Griffith show. You get to watch Gunsmoke. You get to watch The Rifleman. I'm only going to list westerns because that is all me and my dad watch. <laughs> That's so funny. So, A, we love westerns. B, there's now a subset of MeTV called Comet Television, which is all old, terrible horror movies. Oh, God. Garbage. The first one that we watched, me, my brother Adam, and my dad, was... I knew right away because, like, I jokingly said because, like, we watched it, we finished it, and my brother's like, they never said what that movie was, oh. and I was just like, they're too embarrassed. It start. It had Christopher Lee in it, and it was about werewolves. So I jokingly said, "Oh, this was the Howling 2. Oh my god! My brother looked it up. The name of the movie was Howling Two. Your sister is a werewolf. Stop. That is the plot of the movie. Stop. The main character's sister. Is a werewolf. That's the subtitle? That is the subtitle. Stop. Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. But Sequel you... to the 
You were spitballing. Yep. Oh, yep. I was spitballing. We were having a great time just making fun of this because the guy's just like, like halfway through the film, the main character's like, I don't believe in werewolves. And then he sees a werewolf get shot by Christopher Lee. And he's like, all right, I believe in werewolves and I'm going to kill them. Uh, (laughs) It was incredible. Uh, And so apparently my mom texts me and she's just like, oh, get these gifts for your brother, which I'm not going to list because they might be listening. (laughs) <laughs> um, and she then like text back be like not just yet yeah. bros uh she she texted your dad's watching comet and chucky is on i've never heard him laugh this hard in his life oh my and i was God. just like of course the oh. weird thing that i discovered my dad thought was really funny last year at the holidays was bad santa <laughs> Like it just came on TV and was like, and my dad was like, oh, this movie's funny as shit. (laughs) (laughs) And that made me laugh as hard as you just did. I I also, I want to, I want to alert the listeners that every time I laugh because of the sheer volume of mine, I I propel myself backwards. (laughs) It's probably a good call. Those are usually the loudest parts of it is when I'm laughing into the mic. (laughs) I I think I shot like, I shoot like three feet back. Make it up for it. Yeah. My dad, I think, I'm pretty sure likes It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, that's funny. I'm not sure. I think my dad would think that's funny. Um, but I think there would definitely be times when it was a little too absurd for him. Okay. Uh, like, cause he's a little more like, he is, he likes crude humor, but sometimes they get a little like weird and he's not all like as on board with that. I think he's a little closer to like mainstream taste. Otherwise, I think my dad, my dad definitely likes, uh, laughing at dumb things which is <laughs> <Sure>. great <laughs> it's incredible sure uh so your time around all of that growing up and um mm-hmm. in old harrison the town of harrison thank you um gave you this kind of at least beginner interest yes. uh in farming when you were going i know now uh, a decent amount about the the you know master's program um oh boy yeah there's chapters in between that right but that's what i was going to say is like i'm sure there was some kind of transition between like just being high school mm. jacob and like trying to figure out what you were interested in and passionate about and stuff and and, and now me worrying. pouring over municipal codes about urban agriculture right right and and being able to rattle off stuff like that yeah, yeah. Uh, there, so in college, I basically helped run a small business, which was our school farm. No uh, way. Yeah. So you know how a lot of clubs, uh, they'll ask their, uh, college for money. They're like, Hey, we're the, uh, rowing club. We need money for canoes. Sure. Uh, give us money. We sold the produce that we grew to the cafeteria. We charged them to pick up their food scraps and composted it then. No fucking yep. way. Uh, we did all this enough to hire students summer helpers to work on it yes that's so cool oh, yeah. where uh, did you go to school lawrence university okay yeah yeah yeah. so i would help out with where that. is that uh appleton wisconsin got I spent it 23 got years it. of my life there um, um i knew that you came here like after you finished school but i didn't oh, remember that the was day all the i same graduated place. that's right yeah. i remember that being part of your story oh yeah that's great um, so did that. And then when I came down here in Chicago, uh, my first but year, you did you start that or did you just kind of become part no, of I it? No, I just became ingrained. But it. still, yeah. that's so cool. Oh, yeah. Were you like employed by the farm and everything or did you uh, self run it? a little bit, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. That's so interesting All to my, have already been like 
part of that before you even got out of that area. All my all my Lawrence friends, all my farm friends keep trying to like no, they've stopped they've stopped this past year, but for like the first couple of years they kept trying to get me to move back to Appleton Aww. to go on their farms because everyone just like bought land because in Wisconsin That's so it's so funny. cheap. That's what you do is try to do the thing that you Yeah, they're they're still doing the thing that you guys did when you're yeah. in college, but in a totally different way than you are in a totally different place. That's oh, cool. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. <sighs> but you got here. I got here because I like people. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I love farming. You like city as like much cities. as you like farming. Yes. I love being outdoors and far and cities and everything. That's, That's great. Um, but my first one, first job was uh, wonderful. I was a I was on a rooftop farm down on, once again, back of the yards. Uh, there's an old meat packaging plant. It's called Pure Meat Packaging. Shut down. E-E-R? E I R P E E R. Okay. Uh, it was it was a major meat producer in back of the yards area, forty seventh and Ashland, basically around that area. Uh, and they were they shut down a few. I, I want to say like maybe twenty years ago or so. Like it was recently in a sh- in Chicago history. Mm-hmm, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And a guy bought the place. His name is John Adel. John Adel bought the place, and he. He had done this. He had done this before. He uh, renovated like an old warehouse space and made like leased it out to sustainable producers. So like in his old building, he had like a bike, uh, like a sustainable bike shop or like cool. things like that. And cool. in this one, he wanted to do sustainable food. So there's a kombucha brewer. There is now, God, I think he, an actual beer brewer because they've been working on that for years. Is they it did. still all under the like peer umbrella? It's all under the plant umbrella the name of it is called the plant so pure is done pure okay, is out okay, of there. Okay. um they took the sign and they flipped the p to be a b so now it just says beer um and <laughs> that's hilarious it's it's it is wonderful and but it's oh it's uh, talking about smells we're talking about uh tanneries right it is right next to a makeup factory uh does this it smells like burning flesh constantly. Jesus. It's awful. It's Why? garbage. Because that's how you make makeup is fat. Oh. Um, so that it like stays and yep. covers things and stuff. Yep. Oh, God. So anyway, there's a kombucha brewery. That's horrifying. Uh, and then there's a bakery. I'm trying to distract you. Look at all these shows. <laughs> I worked on the rooftop farm. It was called Urban Canopy. And I think that the guy started, like, hiring more after me because he was like, well, I can't hire you after this one full time. And I was like, cool. Okay, whatever. Because then I immediately got a job with the Chicago Botanic Garden. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. I helped. There was this. Uh, I remember when you, I think you were still working for the Botanic Garden when I maybe. met Maybe. You maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a good chunk. Um, mm-hmm. So then I did that for a year. My official title was compost crew leader. I, compost crew. Well, I, I for mo- for the bulk of it, I just worked on compost. I just made you know just took. Good lord, I have the figure somewhere, but I diverted an incredible amount of waste from uh, the landfill because we worked with this. Um, so I was so in that in that uh, with. I didn't work up in Glencoe. I didn't work up in the Botanic Garden. Uh-huh. I worked at 26th and Western. It was interesting. It's by the it's by the courthouses okay. in that area because I worked in the uh, uh, there's three different tiers uh, to the program that I was in. It was called Windy City Harvest, and one of them is it is a high school summer camp where you teach kids how to grow vegetables, how to run a market stand, how like learning like job skills of just like very like introduction, rudimentary sort of thing. Sure. Um, 
The second one, the second tier is a nine-month certificate program that is through the city colleges. So people, uh, anyone can enroll into this. They learn how to run an urban farm, how to how to plan, how to plant, how to harvest, how to work with businesses for that, so that they can grow and sell. Uh, to consumers. That's really cool. Uh, I was involved in the third one where I was doing job training for ex-felons. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> teaching them to show up on time and please stop yelling at me. Oh, my um, God. Well, but, because, uh, like, uh, yeah. Um, so, yep. Jacob Horn, uh getting yelled at and telling people to please stop smoking in the porta-potties. <laughs> stop smoking in the porta-potties. Um, so I did that. Uh, and then I worked for the uh, food depository for a bit. That was a nightmare. Uh, I ran. Ooh, I ran into my old boss. I well, I didn't run into him. He was at the Annoyance Theater on Friday. Oh, for the suppository. For the suppository. What? The d- depository. Depository. How many people? Suppository. You said suppository. This That's is the, the only one I've had. Book. I haven't right. even finished the whole thing. Uh, for the depository. Yeah, oh so, boy, suppository. So I left that. Ashton Kutcher's suppository. Ashton Kutcher. That's the title <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> Oh, yes, please. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. I was miserable at that job because it was just emails and phone calls. Uh, I was a volunteer coordinator. Yeah. And so I left that job in the span of a – well, I I worked there for months, for about nine to ten months. And I left in under a week of notice because I got – uh, I was like, I need to go to school. You got something else. I wanted, yeah, I went to, no, I got I got my master's degree. Hell yeah. Uh, and so I was just like, nope, it's going to start in a week. Bye. See you guys. <laughs> and so I, re- I saw my old director, because uh, there were like five, because the depository is huge. It's gargantuan. Yeah. Uh, there's an ED, there's an ED, there's an executive director. Underneath her, there was like, uh, there was like five different directors underneath her. Uh, one of them, you know, like dealing with production. One of them dealing with volunteer engagement and like things like that. So like I, Jeez. oh yeah. Uh, and so he, I ran into him or like I saw him and like I think he made eye contact, but I don't know. It was at the annoyance bar, so it's so tiny. Right. I sequestered myself. It's not like you could avoid nope. that person. Yeah, because like it was after mine. It was after mine. It was before I positive he went to see Hitchcock Tales oh. in that eight to ten gap that's funny yep and so like I just like stayed on the couches as he was all to just not yep. have to talk to him. yep oh that's so funny oh yeah oh so then I left that job and I uh master's degree is currently going worked for the park district boy I hope to pursue boy here we go we're going to talk more urban farming uh in park <laughs> district uh and this is here there's a wonderful uh Coalescing the two ideas of uh, city planning and farming. Sure. Uh, so when I worked for the park district this past uh, growing season, I don't think in years, I think in growing seasons, uh, <laughs> there were, I worked for a thing called Harvest Garden, and it was teaching kids how to grow in a community garden setting. Uh, so I would go to different parks. I would go to, like, Abbott Park on the end of the red line in 95th and State. I would go to Jackson Park, which is, like, 4,000 west uh, no, it was Clark Park, 4000 West Jackson. Okay. Uh, I was all over the city, basically. I would drive around and teach these kids uh, how to produce their own food. Um, and they were adorable. Uh, that sounds and, amazing. Yeah. Wouldn't they, like, draw pictures of you sometimes? Yes. Stuff? Oh, I yeah. have. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> they, that sounds really amazing. There, was, uh, I, there were three pictures that they drew of me. Um because, like, was, so one of the things we did was uh, every year there was a thing called Harvest Fest where all the kids would, from each park, there was, like, 15 parks would compete against each other for, like, uh, 
best vegetable, uh, biggest vegetable, most unique vegetable, uh, journal, which I'll get to in a bit, which is the drawings, <laughs> like best journal, best vinaigrette, because we taught them how to make herbal vinaigrettes. That's because, so cool. Yeah, we had like all these perennials. We had like mints. We had sage. We had That's chives. so cool. Yep. And so they all, it was, yep, they, they made all that. It that's like your little, that's like... That's that has to have been a little bit of like a dream job yes. for you. Oh, it was incredible. It was yeah, especially just like after sharing the love with the next generation. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and like actually growing things in the process, yep. not just like oh. going into a classroom and being like oh, this yeah, is little, what happens. Yep. Yeah. Like all of it was like we I was like teaching them like as I was sitting down on the bed and like pointing to a, you know, a kale plant be like you got to eat that. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so with the journals, there was three – I told them uh, every week I was just like, let's draw something that you saw in the garden that you really liked. So like some people would draw different vegetables. My absolute favorite thing I saw mm. was one person drew themselves punching a potato and they didn't <laughs> like potatoes. And I was like, that's fine. You don't have to like everything. You like punching things you don't like. Yeah, you just love punching <laughs> potatoes. Um, and so then one person uh, just drew – Drew this great picture of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one drew a picture of me without a neck. Uh, it was very <laughs> stocky sort of thing. My favorite. And another one picked up on my verbal tics uh, where whenever I was talking and if I was like, you know, because I, I go on different as as anyone listening knows my tangents right. that I do. I'll just like go off. And then if I ever want to come back, I'll mm-hmm. say, so anyway. Uh, like I would be like talking, 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 talking. So, so anyway, anyway, we were talking about tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, they drew me. They drew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show Mary Beth on my hand. <laughs> they drew the garden area off to the left side of the paper. Uh-huh. Uh, like very accurate. It was wonderful. And then they drew me with the crowd of kids with a little speech bubble that said, so, so anyway. anyway. Yes, that's hilarious. Oh, Oh my God. That's so funny. So anyway, uh, with the park district, uh, how that's linking up with city planning, I went to this farm symposium a few weeks ago. Right. uh, About a week and a half ago on a Friday. And uh, I ran into my old supervisor from the park district because it's a seasonal job. So I'm like, I'm technically laid off. But they told me, they told me they're like, you're coming back. Once we can rehire you again, we will. That's great. Um, and so I ran. So when would that be? March. Okay. Yeah. And so. So is it kind of like a March, September, March, November, March, November? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, uh, ran into her, uh, and well, two, uh, two my like supervisors and they were both, you know, we just like caught up, whatever. And she gave a presentation on community gardens and what the park district is doing, uh, with regards to community gardens. Cause it was like an urban farming symposium. Mm-hmm. And then, um, another person gave a presentation and she was from the department of housing, uh, the Chicago, uh, it wasn't HUD because that's a national agency, Housing and Urban Development. I think it was. It was some sort of. It was like, oh, it was uh, CHA. I think Chicago Housing Authority. I don't know. Sounds. It was yeah, familiar. It was. A, it was Ish. Yeah. Uh, basically, the people in charge of Cabrini Green. Boy, howdy. Uh, we won't. That'll be. That's. That's going to be part five of mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she. She was talking about. Uh, a, a big thing with urban farming is uh, land security and uh, esta- hopefully establishing land trusts because, as, as uh, I talked about earlier in this episode, things about like how redevelopments change the landscape of like what used to be industrial might now be commercial, might now be residential, things like that. When people make farms, you want 
some sense of permanence because you're going to be there for a few years. You're going to be growing food. But development doesn't care. They'll say, we bought this property. It's ours now. Get out of there. Uh, and that's uh, Chicago recently – the city of Chicago owns an incredible amount of vacant land. And so a lot of that vacant land uh, is on the south and the west and the southwest sides. And as a way to promote development, they offered this program in 2014 where if you owned property and there was a vacant lot right next to you, right next to you, not you couldn't just swoop in. You had to live right next to it. You had to own your property and right next to you was a vacant land. You could buy that land for a dollar. What? Yes. But you had to own that property. This so this prevented just any land grabber. This prevented any like yeah. You couldn't just like buy a space yeah. and then and buy then, the place next to it. Right. Yes. And so they. That's interesting that they're purposely trying to encourage peop, it being yes. people who already live there. I don't. I don't know how well it's been going. I yeah, don't I'm sure think, people found loopholes. And, oh no, 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 no! I think the uh, other way in which not as many people were engaged. I've heard. Oh. I've heard. This is all speculation, so don't quote me on this. Sure, Jarafsky of Chicago Reader. Don't. I've heard that they then had to pay the back taxes. So that is like oh. a big like. Oh, come on, fuck you, Chicago. That sucks. That's once again. That's only like those. That's so just like, like rumor. The city finding loopholes. Yeah. So like, I don't know if that was a hundred percent right or mm-hmm. not. But now I've heard after this person from the housing authority, because like people, a lot of people were very, a lot of like uh, farmers, producers were very adamant, like asking this lady, your model, because the housing authority owns land. And the land that they own, their end game is to build houses because that is what the Chicago Housing Authority does. Their mm-hmm. idea is to build houses. And so in between what they've been doing is developing farms, a uh, city farm, which recently moved. It was on Division and Elston. Uh, it's a very pop. It's a very popular urban farm. So of course the general population doesn't know about it. Uh, and they, Division. They, it's a right by. It's in where Cabrini Green was developed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it was east of the big target on Halsted uh-huh. and Division. And so they moved. They're currently moving the farm a few blocks down. Yeah. Because that. I know exactly where all that stuff is. Yep, I bike yep. through that like every day. <laughs> And so that development, that land that they work, that they're currently they're moving from has been bought and is being development, developed because of the Chicago Housing Authority. Hmm. And because that is the model that the Housing Authority goes after. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people at the symposium were saying, how can we get excited about farming if we're just going to end up moving? Aww. And she, she pointed out, she said, uh, a lot of the vacant lands that the city owns are starting to get funneled into because there are so many government agencies Mm -hmm. no it's very hard to keep track she Mm -hmm. said a lot of these vacant land is being funneled into the park district Hmm. so this was news as opposed to as opposed to i mean as opposed to more uh housing i was gonna say just anything residential right as opposed to like any other city no like as or uh, i'm just keep interrupting i'm so sorry it's okay um but as opposed to like maybe streets and sands get some place for like to house their trucks or stuff sure as opposed to uh why can't i think of government no but that makes sense yeah i i I mean uh i feel like that would be an encouraging thing Mm mm-hmm 
And so, me and my supervisor, we're getting into talking. Because <laughs> you technically work for Parks right. Department. Currently under. You, when you were working yeah. for them during the last growing season and potentially the when they rehire season. you, if they have the ability to and everything yeah. goes as planned, yeah. you will be hired again by them. Uh, <laughs> the idea of taking this land and leasing it to urban farmers because there are large tracts of land. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just, like, an individual lot, you know, like the size of, like, a single three-flat or whatever. We're mm-hmm. talking, you know, like, five lots right next to each other. Wow. Especially, like, we're, we're talking, like, boy, go drive drive along the green line, the southern wing of it, and there is just tracts of land. Wow. wide open. Something that no one would be able to maintain on their own Correct. kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and that no one wants to currently build on. So we're trying uh, – we're, our hope is that provide the infrastructure uh, and have them lease it out. So they're still paying cool. – they're paying like a rental fee, they're, but they're not paying property taxes. They're not paying like this constant thing. They're paying just like an upkeep, like a once-a-year sort of thing of like you pay us that much. Right. You keep everything else – and do with thing. it what you will. Yes. Cool. Urban farm, which is like, that is our dream. That is cool. Our, that is, <sighs> do you think that those, I mean, you may not have any concept of this because it's all like future uh, uh, thought processes, but do you think it'll be um, community type farms? Do you think there will be independent growers or anything like that? I view it as uh, ideally independent farmers because lots, there's a couple of people already doing that so like a lot of people if you just introduce yourself into urban farming in the chicago landscape there's big names there's a guy there's a guy named will allen former basketball player who runs this thing called growing growing power uh it was made it was initially instated in milwaukee his daughter uh is running the the chicago branch Hmm. and they have Land on Iron Streets and 23rd, I want to say. Something like that. It's like around the Pilsen area or so. And so there's Growing Power. There's Growing Home, which focuses on uh, job development for people with hurdles to employment, such as uh, unemployment, uh, dependency on various substances, things like that. Um, The Windy City Harvest Program was very much of just like like ex-felon sort of thing. And so there's a lot of these nonprofits that have big names. But there are – I have visited farms of like – there's just a guy named Chuck who just uh, has a farm site. Happens to – Gross shit in the middle of the city. It is. I wish I took pictures. (laughs) Really? It is a couple of tracts of land. He is on. How? Remember how? uh, So I talked about like highways cutting off things. Yeah. Uh, There's a railway that runs uh, along State Street, I believe, down around 63rd, right by the highway. And so on one side of the viaduct, uh, it's State Street, and like you got to be, you're either on State Street or on your, you're on the highway. There's a lot of like gas stations and all this junk. And then on the east side of that viaduct, there is this beautiful farm. And That's he, awesome. He doesn't make money off it. He just gives it to people in the community. Stop. Nope. Mm, that's amazing. Yep. And we need so much more of that. That's awesome. We need so much more of a person just like taking ownership of just like and it is it was the most like well thought of farm. Like it wasn't How just did like, he get started? Like was this guy like used to be a farmer he, somewhere else? Or? He was yeah, he was, like he came from the south. I forget where exactly. Uh God he loved barbecue. 
like you. It's <laughs> too long. Um, but he came from the south, came up here. Probably like Tennessee or I, Texas, I Oklahoma. I don't even eh. know. But it was uh, it's. He knows what he's doing. That's he is so like cool. It's not like because like I get. I'm very like. I'm so, I'm a farm snob because right. like, you know, like there's people like I've got a little garden. It's like it's just yeah, like a tomato but, plant. Right, he's, right, 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 like, right. He know he has he is like, spacing is exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, this man has this man has thought it out. He's got he's got like like radishes knows the exact spacing that he needs to do. He knows when he's thinning. He's knowing all this. He's maximizing production. The man is sure. genius. Right. It is incredible. If you know what you're talking about, that stuff, I'm sure, is all like, uh, yeah, you, you you feel like you're speaking the same language yeah. as someone, much oh like you God. would anything else. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh. Uh, so what? talk a little bit more about your master's program, because oh. I know a little about it, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's really applicable, especially to the things that we've been talking about uh, most recently in yeah, the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in the middle of a program. Uh, it's called Sustainable Urban Development through DePaul. Uh, only one cohort has graduated yet. It's so new. It's wow. two and a half years old. So that gets wow. a couple of us nervous uh, because it might be like, well, what if this program stops existing in five years? What yeah. does that mean? But we all knew that. We all took that chance. Sure. And so a lot of it is like it's a supplementary degree for like city planning because it's not a city planning degree. Mm-hmm. It's not an architecture degree. Uh, it's it's very much a supplementary thing. Uh, but a couple of the people in my program. What's your degree in already? Oh, my undergrad? Your undergrad, yeah. English and trombone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have a significant But you did all the stuff yeah. on the farm while you were yeah. at Lawrence. I'm do- yeah, I'm looking for more research or community engagement positions. Cool. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I don't know if I'll work for you don't, city. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, cool. My, one, of my, one of my classmates keeps telling me that I need to run for mayor. And, uh, oh. I, would get, I would get shot if I did because I would just be like, guys, look at all this corruption. And be like, Jake, could you step over here for a minute? And we then you would never see me again. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. We have, you, have to be, you have to be a face for our, <laughs> all of our corruption. No. <laughs> yeah. Um so I'm I'm doing this program. Oh, and then, yeah, we're going to talk about brownfields. Uh so talking about light industrial and industrial <laughs> zone uh, areas, we were talking about combustibles. Uh if there if the if the land on this uh well, so anyway, sustainable urban development means developing a city in such a way that it does not hamper uh the economic vitality, the environmental vitality or the social vitality of a city. So when a lot of people think of sustainability, they'll think of like, oh, green, the color. Uh, but sure. It's like, it's like sure, there's sure, sure, so sure, much sure. more to it. There's so much more of just That like, is definitely what it calls forth in, in my mind. Yeah. And so there's, there's so much more because like we could definitely make things uh, better for everyone, but it would cost money. So that's right. the economic one. We can make things, uh, but then also things might we could like make a sustainable future where every where some people are making a lot of money but then that's the social side the social justice idea of like is it you sustainable want it to be something everyone? that's helpful for not just the people that are be- profiting off of it yes uh and so that is the idea of trying to find that balance between those three and so obviously i lean heavily towards the social and environmental uh, there was there was a guy who was in our uh, cohort for a class uh he had a real estate background and he was just 
very much about the bottom line. That's he, so funny. Was, he like he was one of the people who was looking to 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 you know flip profit and flip and mm-hmm. oh boy, mm-hmm. oh boy. So but obviously, you have a decent like. Um, Moral backbone. <laughs> obviously, you're a decent person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I was gonna say is, obviously, you have a decent foundation for all of those things. Yeah. You're obviously, I mean, you've talked about on here, and I've heard you talk in the past about, um, you know, every aspect of this, the economic stuff, and the way that, <laughs> um, our dear old city is uh, 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 finding loopholes and ways <sighs> to profit off of, um off of everything that was Every, oh, everything is, everything I, but oh, properties mostly yeah man i do so a conversation i had with ben Jarafsky, uh were you there for that show which show yeah that was yeah. the show i did mm-hmm. he he told me and this was just like very eye-opening where it's like the city of chicago will try to find a way to profit off of anything and that is like that made complete sense mm-hmm. to me um if there is something that they can do they will they will make a buck uh, case in point, let's say like parking, uh, just right. like any, well, just uh, just a city sticker. If you register your car and you live in the city of Chicago, you need to pay an additional ninety dollars just to park your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, oof, yuck. So anyway, my program, a big reason I've never tried to own one. <laughs> oh, please don't. Yeah, uh, it's a nightmare. I can't I imagine my car in Wisconsin. Really? Fuck you. <laughs> so cool. Yes. You just live somewhere where you don't have to have a city sticker to park. Yep, yep, yep. I actually have a neighborhood where you don't have to, so it's what? nice for like when people are visiting. Yeah, my place, my area is it's like just far enough outside of Lakeview that it's non permit. Mm-mm. Oh, oh! You have to, you still have to have a city sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see, I yeah, see. Yeah, you see. still need to see any any car that is registered in you the city of Chicago. Got it, got it, got yep, it, got even it. Leave them plant. Got it. I'm thinking of like actually, then there's like permit zones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's even more. Oh, I'm thinking of another layer of a way another, that the city yep. finds Makes ways money. to charge you for money Good for Lord. things. Uh, so we're in our program. We're learning how to develop things. Uh, we're learning a lot of oof, so much uh, software. I'm learning uh, GIS, which is what is it? Geographic information system. I don't know. It's maps. It's okay. Maps. It's how to manipulate maps. So I can I could make a map for you that shows the. Uh, Population demographic of Cook County, of the racial demographics of Cook County, separated by ward, separated by neighborhoods, separated by geographic locations. I can make maps for you. Cool. On, yeah, all these things, uh, which is a huge skill to have for city planning. Yeah, I would think uh, so. And but because re- that's all the kinds of things that they're going to be looking for. I mean, oh, any. Yeah. I'm sure they look at like an innumerable number of things mm-hmm. uh, where city planning is concerned. Yeah. So. Uh, but recently had a class on what is known as brownfields and what brownfields are. Uh, when you think of new development, when you think of like, let's say suburb development, we're talking Naperville and like, no, this is, you can tell by the tone of my voice how I feel about suburbs. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, because that, that's going to be part seven of my podcast. Um, <laughs> So uh, new development, you just like you just see a field and you're like, I'm gonna build on there, and then you can build there because it's fine, it's clean, it's okay. So you're gonna just build a whole bunch of houses there on new fertile ground. Uh, Chicago is home of what is it? Well, in a lot of cities and a lot of just everywhere is known uh, is home to what is known as brownfields, and brownfields are contaminated spaces or perceived contaminations uh, in a space. So let's say that you had a gas station 
on a property and the gas station's been abandoned and you wanted to build there, you would have to make sure that there's not any more gas tanks underneath. Sure. Because those could be leaking. Those right. Those could be polluting the soil around you. Yes. Uh, and if you don't clean that up, you can't build certain things. Now, you could still build certain things. Right. Anything that you would need to care about the yep. soil quality. Or... Such as industrial areas. Uh, A lot of industrial areas do not have as many stringent policies. So, like, if you were, if you were to build a school there, everyone would be like, no. Are you kidding? Are you, yeah. yeah. Right, uh, right, because right. there's That's so funny. Yep. Oh, but you want to, like, build something that will probably pollute it even farther? Go right Go ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, and so this entire class uh, we took was on how to redevelop brownfields, how to go about cleaning them up, how to go about uh, securing funds to do so. Because the EPA is just, like, giving out grants. I wasn't – I was about to say hemorrhaging money, but they don't. <laughs> because it's the government, they don't right. hemorrhage money. They're just like, we can only do so much. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Especially the EPA <laughs> of the government, not oh. not the not anything that they would throw more money at. Yep. Oof. Okay. Part 13 of the Jake podcast <laughs> is going to be the, uh, the, the political theory known as Starve the Beast. Starve the Beast. Yeah. Uh, suburbs, uh, Starve the Beast. I'll go into Starve the Beast right now. Uh, Starve the Beast – is a political theory that has happened recently in which uh, the cons- um, in the last decade and a half started with the, the idea with the uh, Bush tax cuts, the idea that we had a surplus. We had a budget surplus, which is a fascinating thing to think about right now where everyone's like, we don't have any money. And so Bush Jr. was like, well, let's give that money back because those people are just going to spend it right no, because then people got money and they're like, we need to save this money because something bad's going to happen and something bad happened. Oh, uh, my God. So all of a sudden the government had no money. And so when the government has no money. Like we're talking 08-ish. Or... No, we're talking 04-ish. Oh, we're talking, we're talking Bush years. giving shit back oh, yeah, without yeah, yeah. having any real rhyme reason to yep, it. Yep, yep, yep. They were just uh, like, yeah, right, right, here's right. money, here's money, here's – I'm doing this weird dance right now. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it was kind of like a like a like a Drake. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. I'll take that one. Um, and so there's this. Uh, so so they get rid of all of this surplus, and now this gives an excuse to cut programs that uh, you might find disagreeable. Mm. Uh, so as we are currently seeing. Things like uh, back in 2010, 2011, ACORN, seeing all of these tiny programs lose funding because the establishment says, we don't have the money. We don't have money anymore. We can't be giving it to this ACORN group. That, they that you have money. no concept of what they actually do. Yes, but yeah. they don't like what they do. They, they're very smart. They know what they do. They don't no. like what they do. Yeah. Why they want to score political points. Uh, and so now they're they're getting uh, carte blanche to cut these programs that they don't agree with. Uh, when I say they, I mean the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is <laughs> we're on Jacob Horn's liberal talk show. <laughs> oh, I'm a tool. I'm such a tool. No, it's okay. Um, but it's that's okay. yeah. That's how you feel. Yeah. This is you know. It's not like. This is meant to be, because uh, there's there's so many things that they can cut. There's the Pentagon defense budget tells that I love how oh. far away this has gone from farming. The uh, Pentagon, but dude, defense- I have been like. 
the whole time all I was thinking of was defense spending like, oh, this whole yep, time because yep, it's the, the most hour. baffling aspect of this whole situation is it's like, we're going to talk defense. Yeah. It's like you just cross off things that you, like you said, well go into what, uh, what acorn does and why they would be, um, um, you know, why that would be something that's like, against just like providing like any any social service uh oh. the government does not like the handout yeah like the idea of like a handout um yeah, yeah. <laughs> mary Beth just uh, did, did, did the, the double flip the double, double bird. the double bird um, salute it's, it's a f- that's what a like stupid thing that 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 concepts like that have been tied to what's what's supposed to what's been painted as a dirty word mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. i that like that is one of the most frustrating things about um <laughs> ooh, that's one of the most go, frustrating go, go, go. things to uh in talking to my family yeah. about oh. like uh the difference with, like because most of my family uh um mainly my father uh but like uh, a couple of his siblings as well um and their mother because uh, but she's like 92 years old mm-hmm. so like i don't even try to like take yeah, there's, at, it's, at some point it just stops holding water yeah. um and even they will be like mom like come on oh. <laughs> um but uh but my yeah like that's one of the more frustrating things about about when when conversations turn to politics is that like you hear like handouts just like spat out of mouths in a way that i'm just like like you don't understand at all like it's so it's like it well we wouldn't be so poor if we weren't giving out all these handouts and it's like that is such a backwards untruth like when people say that they don't understand the billions that are going uh, right in the same breath my uncle oh god i shouldn't be talking about this oh no is your uncle on facebook (sighs) no but i don't know and he's not like a regular listener or anything but it's just like i don't want to like put this shit on blast but oh well fuck you i don't agree with this concept in the same breath he's just like we need to increase defense spending because our biggest enemy i mean he's just like so right wing like he's just so bought into all that bullshit Mm -hmm. it's all of that you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and it's like something that's so like deeply wrong that i can't even begin to like enter into conversation about it you know what i mean so i just like stay in the other room and like keep my mouth shut you know what i mean because it's like how am I supposed to do anything against that? Especially when, like, my dad is trying to, when he's, like, closer to the same side and trying to be, like, a, at least a little more reasonable. Right. And 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 uh, and he's not even willing to, like, listen to that. And it's like, I would come in and be like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know what I mean? And just yeah. be, like, totally swung the other way. But anyway, way off topic. But... That's my experience with how frustrating that kind of conversation and this whole big picture can be. So to me, even though you said like, well, these are totally different topics, they're really not. Like they're really – this kind of thing is all tied together, especially when we start talking about like the general state of – the union mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway that was um so anyway. that that's so anyway, so anyway. <laughs> um i may not be yeah on on anyone's liberal talk show but i definitely <laughs> know where my experience with this comes oh, yeah. into play
Oh my god. You're you you're welcome out of my liberal talk show. <laughs> oh my god. I was kind of a guest on your kind of liberal talk show. Yeah, you were, yeah. Oh, that is a very liberal. Oh my god. That's I really a, enjoyed it. I, I know I told you that uh followed up like via text, but man, it was great. That's what I, yeah. I want more uh I want more I want more anger in shows. I want more I want two things. I want more sincerity. Sure. And I want more anger. I uh, I definitely am on board with that. Yeah. And I think look uh, I think a lot of people don't like point. Hey, we're talking comedy now. I didn't think we were doing. <laughs> but yeah, I said uh, we wouldn't. I feel like a lot of people uh they confuse they confuse the ideas of anger and hatred. Sure. And those and in and you know, there might I don't know what the Merriam uh Webster definition is, but in my mind uh, what hatred is is an almost mindless thing. It's like sure. a, it's like a thing of just like it's a like a visceral reaction of just like well I don't have a rhyme or reason to be like this. But like sure. an anger is a, is a is you know you know the reason why you're doing it. You you know like with corruption you know sure. that things are wrong and you want things to be right. Sure. With hatred you don't understand things and it's just like view you're just spitting venom at something you don't understand mm-hmm. anger is something that you know too well that's really interesting i also to add to that think that uh a lot of times where political uh discourse goes awry is when the like uh uh because everyone thinks that they're capital R right mm. or, or or capital C correct, they the that uh, feeling and opinion becomes more fact based and and in in their minds anyway. And as a result of that, it it's just a lot of people yelling about how they're right and you're wrong, mm-hmm. and, and whether or not you're on the 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 right side or the wrong side, it, it it doesn't cause any any logical discourse because you've just become the thing that you hate. And I use hate, you know, in the same way that you're using it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's just at some point that you're not going to get anywhere if you're just spewing vitriol from both sides everyone should not listen to this podcast my mine specifically and go watch on netflix because everyone has a sister who has a netflix account um i am that sister I, in my family i realized oh, yeah. that this recent i realized that this weekend that my both my brother and my parents use my netflix account and i just like laughed to no oh, end <laughs> but what everyone needs to watch is best of enemies okay. which is a documentary oh the- gore vidal yes. yeah yeah, I've heard about this. Conventions between Gorvidal and William F. Buckley Jr., that conniving little bastard. Uh, <laughs> and it is. I've heard about it, but I haven't watched it yet. I'm writing it down. Yeah. I'll put well, it on my to watch list. Um, to consume, as Jake Grafstein would say. Uh, it is. It is beautiful. It is terrifying it is incredibly moving and you now understand why we're in the media state yes. that we are now because like i've been thinking about this so much recently because i just watched all of the newsroom oh, fuck. and it's like very entrenched in that show is like how media um changes perception of politics mm-hmm. and like national um like issues and things like that so yeah. it, it's for that if no, if for nothing else than for that, it makes it a very interesting, uh, thought-provoking show. Yes. 
Oh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just clenched. I just finished. I just watched it all yesterday. I went. Oh, I watched, really? I watched the first half, and then my friends were like, "Hey, you want to hang out?" I was like, "Yeah." Uh, and then I then I hung out and all I did was talk about the documentary. That's so that funny I that you watched. weren't even finished. And I was even finished, and then yeah. I came back because like I had known I had known the debates. I had watched a lot of the debates. Wow! And just like watching it uh, curated was wonderful because it is it it showed it showed what things could have been, but then how things became Fuck. venomous. I mean, it's really fr- like I was in. A hotel lobby this past weekend, and while I was in there, we saw a promo on, excuse me, CNN for mm, that's the PBR talking. Yeah. Um, I saw a promo on CNN for the next for the final Republican debate, <sighs> and it looked like a sporting event. It yep. was like Trump, Trump's face, yep. Carson, yep. Carson's face. You know, it just like it goes through all the candidates like they're not like it's and it's just like, you know, they have a countdown clock in the corner. Like everything is so fake and stupid. And at the same time, while they're like airing these promos, the big story that they were talking about was um, like that at some kind of like private fundraiser or event uh crews kind of like threw trump under the bus a little and and the way that they were covering the story was by saying and then the insults flew like or something like that and i was just like is this really how we talk about politics it was baffling (laughs) because like a lot of people blamed uh, a lot of people blamed twenty off twenty four hour news coverage, but mm-hmm. it was it. But as the as the as this documentary shows, like the vein stretched further. This went way back, yeah. Because like with twenty four hours, it just became saturated news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with this, uh, with the sixty eight coverage, this was a time. It might not have been the first time, but it was a time where uh, the idea was ABC was the third out of ABC, CBS, oh, right, NBC. Right, right. They were the third watched news network out of three. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, guys, we need to boost our ratings. We need to have people watching us. Who's hot right now? William F. Buckley Jr.? Awesome. Hey, uh, Bill Buckley, who do you not want to talk to? And he's quoted as saying, well, I don't want to talk to communists. And I guess not Gore Vidal. So, of course, they book Gore oh Vidal. Oh, my God. And that is crazy. It was like, it was all. It was all so manufactured. Yep. ABC's plan to get that. And, like, it's so, for me, it was fascinating because, like, I had such hatred of ABC, but I still, because of the liberal douchebag that I am, I had this <laughs> adoration for Gore Vidal. This truly fascinating man who uh, who just spoke his fucking mind, did all that he wanted to do, and was, like, and hit, did not even, did not hide his absolute disdain for Buckley. Uh, and so Buckley, Buckley... Like, it was just like, whatever, the Gorvidal. I don't like Gorvidal just because I don't like other liberals. And so I'm just going to be t- I'm just gonna be recapping the documentary. Mm. Gorvidal, before their first debate, uh, Buckley was completely unprepared for how Gore was going to frame it. Because Buckley was like, it's a debate. I'm going to talk about how dumb liberals are and how wonderful and free the conservative party is. Right. Buckley Jr. Uh, was an editor for what is known as the National Review, which was an incredibly influential uh, conservative uh, think piece. It was it was a kind of uh, it was a magazine uh, that like Reagan read, Nixon read, like influential people read these conservative articles. 
to kind of like to just like see like yeah. what is the mindset of a, of the conservative today. This was like a journal. This is like I can't even think of like uh, an, an analogy. An, right? There's there is none. There's no. There's I, no. I don't think that we operate in a similar way to that no. anymore. It makes me so sad. <laughs> gore. gore. Everything's uh, like I think one of the biggest of effects of that is that. Uh, it it's uh there's a lack of knowledge at all because there's like too much that's not mm-hmm. focused. Yep, it's all instantaneous sort of things. That's right. why. So my absolute uh, I'll get back. <laughs> I'll do a so anyway to two different spots. Uh, so anyway, my favorite uh late night program currently is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver because he takes so much time to delve into one yeah. specific subject. He takes he, the the writers that showed in what you did at. Uh, with Ben at mm-hmm. um, Mr. Horn's fucked up neighborhood. <laughs> Running one more day. <laughs> <laughs> Running one more Friday. Uh, hey, man, this will come out before then. Oh, <laughs> you, yeah. you never know. Right. Who knows? <laughs> you should remount it. It's a really good show. I've got you. There's a, there's a possibility. Okay. I'll talk to you after this. I'll good. tell you. <laughs> You'll understand why I'm laughing. Um, but yeah. I think I know part of it, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's my uh, so absolute favorite show. My new, uh, I want to work on a new show that is basically what this rant was about of, of city planning and how we've come to where we are today. Uh, sure, in a weird political way. And, yeah. But ex- so, like you know, examining it in that very concentrated, very passionate way. So that was the so anyway to John Oliver. Because uh, I want to do the so anyway back to Gore Vidal. Is there anything else you want to hit? As I'm slowly okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, so with Gore Vidal, Gore Vidal researched the National Review. He had his assistants reading the National Review and figuring out what Buckley was writing, what Buckley was thinking, and it was beautiful. So he had like very specific talking points, wonderfully things. specific wow. talking points, such as how Buckley. Uh, was this was the this was i believe i am awful i am garbage with u.s history this was during vietnam we were were still in vietnam Mm -hmm. and so people weren't like saying like it was the nuclear option was still hush hush Mm -hmm. no one was outright saying it except for buckley in the national Mm. review and so vidal immediate like the, the first debate starts and gord vidal says Something like he he points this out. He says uh, how Buckley encourages the use of the nuclear option, and Buckley immediately dismisses him. He's like, "You are misquoting me." And Gore's like, "No, I've got the direct quote." He's like, "You're taking it out of context." And he says, uh, "I've got all the context you need." And, he, and he's just hammering home the idea that your party, your Reagan, Nixon, they are all reading these articles. They are getting into this to, mindset. You're the one that's feeding that it. That you are feeding them this idea of nuclear proliferation. And Buckley was livid. Buckley oh was so... Oh, my God. And it, at the very beginning. At the very beginning. You could just see his face just, just, just bite. And it's fascinating how it's so sad how he fights back. Really? Cause like, well, cause like, well, that's like, when it starts to get into like name calling type things. Yes, because it happens that Gore Gore continues to attack the ideas that the National Review is perpetuating, and instead of going after the policies, Buckley has goes after Vidal. Goes after Vidal. He has a personal letter from Bobby Kennedy, who uh, 
Gore Vidal was related to Jackie Onassis. And so oh. he was in tight with the Kennedys. Shit. Yeah. When Gore Vidal ran for office, I believe was mayor of, uh, I forget where he was running for mayor. Maybe in New York. I don't know where. But he got, or it might have been Senate. It was something. Gore Vidal, oh, yeah. Because like Buckley ran for mayor. Gore Vidal ran for uh, Congress. And he had John F. Kennedy in the 60s appearing at his, his campaign, point, campaign. but then they had a falling out because Gore Vidal did not like Bobby Kennedy because he saw him as competition, that oh. his brother would back him. And so that got nasty. Sure. So they had a falling out. And then, um, so later on in the interviews, like this was like debate six or seven, Buckley has, he whips out a letter, as a handwritten letter from Bobby Kennedy. Oh and he God. says, "In the this has nothing to do with their politics. This has nothing to do with the topic. And like, once again, like, Gore Vidal went after Buckley. He went after Buckley through the review, right. through the policies. A publication that a publication he that he wrote fully part of, that was public knowledge. And Buckley has this letter, oh, and God. this has nothing to do with what they're talking about. Nothing he says in this postscript. Uh, Bobby Kennedy says uh, something like, we we may not give the Viet Cong the nuclear option. Maybe we should give them Gore Vidal. And Gore Vidal says, let me, can I see that page? And he looks at it. He's like, well, I have to have my, uh, and because so, like Buckley thinks, I've got him. I've got that bastard. And Gore Vidal takes the letter and he's like, it might not be a fake. Okay. And he gives it back and he immediately goes back. Like um, back, and it just like continues it. Yeah, a, continues it. Gorvidal does not. But then, like, I don't, I because like, well, yeah. I don't want to. Like, I was gonna say, like, I don't want to spoil it, but like, we should it's all know the history, history of like what happens. Yeah, Gorvidal in the in the second to last debate says uh, he calls. I forget. Oh, it's because. Oh my God! If you know Chicago history, so Chicago history, the Democratic National Convention. This is the one that they were in. Chicago with Richard Daley turned into a police state. Because it was like we need to keep things under. This was the Jesus. this was the era of law and order. Right. And when I mean daily, yeah, daily. When when in the sixties, when someone said law and order, they mean we're going to crack down on minorities. Right. Um, and so Gore Vidal was just like, we are becoming a fascist police state. This is, he, and he drove through tear gas. He drove through tear gas. There, like this was before their second to last debate. This is the experience that the two had. Gorvidal drove through tear gas uh, as he went through these protests, again, like the height of the Viet- Vietnam War. Uh, and Buckley, Buckley was uh, upset that protesters were chanting obscenities below his hotel from, from throughout the night, from like 11 to 5 a.m. And he's, Buckley, Buckley says, it, he's like, if I'm surprised that a cop didn't, uh, resort to violence against these protesters. Like it wouldn't have, it would not have surprised me if that oh, happened. God. And Gorvidal, uh, taking taking this, uh, calls Buckley a crypto Nazi. Oh, calls Buckley a crypto Nazi for these beliefs. And Buckley, William F. Buckley, the conservative, says, "Listen, you queer." You call me a crypto Nazi once more, and I will suck you in the face. I knew that at some I'm point. Live I knew at some television. point he brought up. Yep, and he, he lived with that for the rest of his life. He, 
just because like everyone was just like oh he would never say that but like you could tell that buckley was just like who am i what did i do yeah i mean yeah. it man i gotta watch it yep. i i feel like it it best of enemies it it sh- I feel like that's so telling for like where where news went, where politics went, where media goes. Honestly, like fuck reality television, like they're just driving people insane so that they'll say and do anything. Yep. When they put people into houses on Big Brother and The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, they don't let them read books. They don't let them watch television. They're forced, the only things they let them do are eat and exercise. And they're forced to talk to the other people in the house for however long those shows last. And they're, they don't have any contact with anyone else outside. Like, it's mm-hmm. they drive people insane. Yep. And that's, like, I understand that this guy was, this is, you know, those are two different situations. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you said, ABC manufactured that interaction. Yep. They forced that to happen. They yep. forced two people who, like, inherently totally disagreed with one another um to to you know name calling yeah <laughs> uh, in a in a in a silly in a silly and well, not a, not silly but uh ones uh, <laughs> this tiny tiny little factoid with uh reality television if you look if you notice uh with the height of reality television the reason that reality television became popular with networks was cause incredibly low production oh for sure yeah but very little writers, very little production, but no replay value whatsoever. So sure. if you look back, so like syndication, you like there are so many like ninety early nineties syndicated television shows. You could you can you can't even keep up with it all. There is a gap in syndicated television from the time that reality TV started, where it's like the, like Thirty Rock is everywhere because it was during that time. Like right near the tail end, very of like few things were getting There's, produced. Yeah, that's really interesting. Produced and, when also the, produced and there was so a big writer strike too. There was that. Yeah, there was a whole mess of things. Yeah, that's really interesting. And yeah. now most reality shows just produce as many seasons as they possibly can. Yeah. Like most of those shows run more than yearly. Yeah, The Voice runs more than yearly. The like the the Bachelor and the Bachelorette both run more than yearly. Like it's it's not even they've foregone tradition seasons because of exactly what you're talking about because it's cheap to produce people watch the shit out of it and there's no replay value so they can't just replay once they've already done so they produce more yep and they even bring people back from other episodes like it's like they have recurring characters like they'll 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 take people who were on one show and make them the focus of the next one yeah what was like there was all like the flavor of love oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) see i kind of like i'm kind of fascinated by those ones just because of how absurd they are because i think it's almost commentary almost i don't think it's quite smart enough to be commentary yeah but it's close it would be flavor of love would be more fascinating if more people understood that flavor flav was the comic relief right like, like you got of the group it was insane of just like they're just like let's have this guy he could still like fucking spit fire but it was just like we're gonna give him a big clock right 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 yeah. it's so silly i mean so much of that stuff is so silly 
uh, that, that it's impossible to take seriously. But, like, shit, I watched a few of those shows. Like, there's some really hilarious, absurd stuff on those shows. And that's that's part of the reason why I think it's 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 borderline. Like, I think that those are more enjoyable because they do not take themselves seriously mm. in any way. Yeah. But if you watch something or read about something like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, those things, like, they... Like the character, quote unquote, like character or whatever, contestant descriptions, like for the guy who's going to be the next bachelor, it's like he's 26 years old and he just knows that he wants to find love because, you know, it's like all this stuff. He just knows that this is where his soulmate is coming from. And it's like you read it. It's like, are you like, are you really taking this seriously? Like people, marriages have spawned because of this shit. You know, it's like that's so hard for me to to swallow but you know swinging in the totally absurd direction a little more on board uh maybe that's just me though oh uh, that's way away from farming that's but... all right. <laughs> i told you i told you i was like we're not gonna we're gonna talk about i love it yeah. that's why and i told you i was on board for that yeah and i just had best of enemies on my mind it's gonna be all it's gonna be eating away at me i feel like anyone listening to this show with any regularity can tell when something is like in my craw like because i'll i'll end up talking about it on like two or three different episodes even if it's like totally unrelated have, to you, been on a real, have you been on a re- reality tv kick? No, okay. no 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 um i i think i've mentioned that i've been watching the newsroom a couple of different okay. times though i have been on a newsroom kick um uh i'm Really into transparent right now. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, around when I saw Ex Machina, I'm pretty sure there were like four or five episodes where I would like casually bring that into the conversation. Um, Yeah, so farming. What do you think about robots? (laughs) What do I think about robots? Robotic farmers. Um, People are trying to uh, mechanize uh, sustainable farming, which is a fascinating concept. Um, there is a farm on, in Pullman. I don't know if you know the Pullman neighborhood. It's on the southern, it's in south Chicago. It's a now a national, what is it, national historical landmark? The entire neighborhood is a national historical Weird. landmark. Weird. Yes. Uh, whoa, oh my God. Would Why? You, oh, 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 oh. Uh, Okay. Uh, Boy, Pullman. Uh, Pullman and Pullman <laughs> carts, Pullman street carts. I was going to say, is this ma- the same as the cars? Yes. Uh, he manufactured these streetcars, and he established his own neighborhood for his workers. And the workers like were like, they started off like, oh, okay, and then eventually they're like, no, this fucking sucks. And so <laughs> they just, like protested and revolted, and he's like, well, fine, nobody gets anything. Um, and so then Pullman still exists; it has all this infrastructure. Um, but it had that bizarre Chicago history of like being a huge manufacturer, uh, but also like, like a it, man like trying if, to play God. Like if the Vatican City had been established, and then everyone there was like, "Wait a minute, yeah, <laughs> we don't want to work for the Pope." <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I, that was a good analogy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So modern Pullman, uh, there is a soap factory. I believe it's called Model. I think it's Model Soap. It's something with an M. Uh, they they have a they have a factory there now, and there is a greenhouse on top. Greenhouse is run by Gotham Greens, which is headquartered out of Brooklyn, I believe. Um, and so Gotham Greens runs greenhouses on top of other buildings in 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 New York. They do a lot of stuff with like Whole Foods and like all these other like actual like grocery stores where they'll be like, we produce the food on top and then we sell it to you on the bottom. Okay, awesome, That's cool. 
And so they're doing it here in Chicago at the model factory. And the way that theirs is going, uh, they're using a process known as hydroponics. Hydroponics mm-hmm. is growing. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so for the listeners who are not as intelligent as Mary Beth Smith, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, hydroponic Stop. is... <laughs> I was going to compliment you on your Conan shirt, too. But let's get, <laughs> but it's, the, it's the bearded version One of the well. reasons I wore this is because I thought you would appreciate it. I, yeah, this is a very rare shirt. They gave this out when he started to do a show on TBS. Oh, my God. Because Look, that was when he was, like, really working the beard. Before angle. before this ends, remind me, be like, Conan, Jacob, dream job? And I'll tell you my dream job that does not exist. Love it. Um, And so they're doing a they're, – they're, they've got a greenhouse on top of the soap factory. And the – in aquaponics, no, not aquaponics, hydroponics. Aquaponics mm. is completely different. It involves mm. fish and their poop. Hydroponics is uh, <laughs> plants that are suspended in water, and there is uh, the fertilizer flows into the water, and the plants absorb the water. Plants absorb the the nutrients. They don't need soil. They don't need that. You know, they don't need uh, dirt, compost, whatever, what have you. They're just floating in these little pods and little styrofoam uh, in this water. And Gotham Greens is figured out a mechanization in which uh let's say this tape so once again a very physical uh uh, i've got a beer bottle in my right hand and i'm trying and i'm pushing it down the table uh so that the green greenhouse the sun is entering from the top and the plants float and for for a few weeks they they move they move from one end of the belt the water belt to the other end of the belt so right here, they started off as little seedlings. Mm-hmm. They grow bigger and bigger, and when they get to this point, they can be harvested. Holy shit. Yes. So they just, like, in like time it out? Yes, in the span of, like, a month or so. Because wow. Can, yeah. What kind of plants? A lot of leafy greens, a lot of lettuces, a lot of uh, uh, kales, a lot of uh, collard greens, things like that. Basil. Basil is incredibly easy to grow. Uh, if you go to any Mariano's, there's this thing called uh, farmed here basil, mm-hmm. and that's farmed in Bedford Park, mm-hmm. uh, in southwest suburb of Chicago. Uh, and that facility is enormous. It is frighteningly huge. Uh, it is multiple stories of gr- of, of lights, of wow. grow lights, uh, in a very similar vein. Uh, so that's hydroponics. Why was I talking about Pullman and hydroponics? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Pullman was created yeah, for a specific some, reason. Right, but there's something. Before that, we were talking about... Um, This must be everyone's favorite part. <laughs> I don't remember. That's all right. Usually I can call it back. Oh, robots. Robots. Yeah, just because of the mechanization. Yeah, the mechanization. That's why I didn't this. remember because yep. it was like a was kind so of a non sequitur. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like having this mechanization as opposed to like a lot of uh, a lot of the farming in Chicago is very programmed. It has that purpose. It has either supplying food for people or supplying jobs for people. Whereas this is like we are strictly making plants to sell. Uh, we want to make it as cheap as possible, so we are making this very mechanized. Interesting. Way. That is crazy. Yes. To to think that 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 can just those like water belts just move like yeah. wow that's really interesting. Um. Okay. Uh, we. What do you think? Okay, first of all, I'll ask this question. I'm trying to gather my thoughts after a lot of thoughts have all been uh, put out. Uh, it, do you think there's anything else that? And I know that this is a hard 
question for you because you're mm-hmm. very passionate about the subject and we've been kind of hopping around all over the place. But I want to give you the opportunity to kind of rack your brain and, and think about anything that you would feel remiss to not bring up. Um, if there's anything where like farming or like uh, urban farming slash planning is concerned, any big like topic that may be one of those like part five, part six things that you want to swing back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people get very excited about urban farming and don't understand urban farming. A lot of people view it as kind of like how I was talking about that, uh, the man who has his own farm on the south side. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of people who are just like view it as a hobby. And those people are dangerous. Uh, they sure. were just like, you just, you know, you just grow up, grow a tomato plant, and we're gonna fix the right. world. Like, like you're no, that, you yeah, get yeah. up at six. You get up at five in the morning. That's your so that job. You're at six in the, yeah, so you're there from six to five, and then you're working hard because a lot of people don't understand that this is a lot of labor. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of physical routine, uh, and that it's also like very challenging to do these things. It is a very tough lifestyle. It's not. Not all sunshine and puppy dogs and all sure. that sort of things. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's one of the the you know pitfalls of of urban farming type community based mm-hmm. program is that um, if you don't have the right infrastructure for it or someone making sure that all of the the you know I's are getting dotted and yep. T's are getting crossed, then it can easily fail. Yeah, don't rely on volunteers. <laughs> don't rely on volunteers. Sure. Yeah. Um, before we end. Conan, dream job that does not exist. I my dream would be to write for the Conan O'Brien travel show that does not oh. exist because he is my idol as Conan's along with Ben Jarevsky and his Aww. best his best programs are when he's the classic fish out of water. Like yes, his Cuba when he was in Armenia, just or any other just like remote piece that he does. Yeah, is incredible. Sure, sure, sure. I love that. That's yeah. great. That's so specific and hilarious. Oh. Uh, one last question before we yes. wrap up, um, to kind of piggyback on the like anything that you feel like you'd be remiss mm-hmm. if you didn't mention, and this ties up a lot of loose ends. Uh, how do you feel like your love of farming and uh, urban planning and a lot of the other things that we've talked about um, has influenced you creatively? And how has it influenced your life kind of overall, if you were to tie a ribbon on that? I think way too much now. <laughs> I think, uh, uh, because everything has a consequence mm-hmm. now. I don't, go, I don't go for like the easiest thing. I go for the more thoughtful thing. Like I try to get as much... Because uh, <laughs> talking creativity, uh, with the shows that I'm trying to do, all of my shows now, I'm just trying to be... I used to be... I'm not very good at being... Sim- I'm not very good at simple and goofy. To me, that is like... I. Like that is such a muscle that I can't work. It's fascinating That's that people okay. can be so simple and goofy. Yeah, it's other one. people are really good at that, yeah. and it's the thing that makes them funny. Me, I need to. I need to stand at a podium and just be yelling about <laughs> how the suburbs have destroyed uh, the urban setting. But I just respect that about you so much. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, so I just I think way too much and I get way too passionate. Uh, cool, cool. But that's that's not necessarily you're painting it as a a, a drawback. Oh, I'm a, oh, I don't know. You're being drawback. a little self-deprecating. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. But um, 
but I think that's uh, you know just as important. They're apples and oranges as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think it just depends on what you want to get out of your experience where creativity is concerned, both as a producer and a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, to be uh, very corporate about it all. <laughs> uh, what about like your life in general? I mean, we've talked so like this has so obviously been so tied to a lot of you know. To things that you do professionally and scholastically mm-hmm. and socially, and I can't tell. I can't tell which came first, if it if it fed into it or if because of it. But patience, uh-huh. like especially with farming, just like understanding that things that you put in the ground in March are not gonna, nothing's gonna happen until October. Sure, like, literally that happens with tomato plants. Um, but I <laughs> I don't. I think that's going back to with with my dad, just like teaching me patience i think is what ha- what helped because like that all that goes in with the creativity where like i was a music major i was a trombonist and all of that is patience is you are a garbage performer for years and then you become okay yeah <laughs> uh, well you also consider talking about music too yeah so it's obviously something that you're passionate about as well oh, yeah <laughs> and yeah so just like just having just having a wonderful patience now just like that's great yeah it's a virtue yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. This no, has been this so, so this as great as I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, and um, I hope everyone, uh, you know, watches reason- best of enemies. Watches best of enemies is exactly what I was going to say because I know I'm going to. It was kind of already on my my to do list because mm-hmm. I'd heard enough about it and seen that it popped up on Netflix. Um, Jacob, I love you, and I mean that. Paradise Smith, I love you too. Yeah. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.